0: Reflecting on the Paticca Samuppada and recognize that this is, this is a psychological teaching it's about the mind. Sometimes it, we get confused by trying to apply Buddhist teachings to, uh, say, something like a creation myth or a genesis. That uh, and uh, repeat again that the world is a is a psychological world, okay. and therefore that this this uh, arising from ignorance. Then the the uh, that whole process takes place uh, from vijnana, nama rupa, pasavedana, All that arises. Then the, the nama rupa, everything when when there's ignorance then everything is is uh, it comes into being into some into something rather some form some mental formation that we regard as the world that's what the world is and so that this is a way of, of looking at that which we do what we create out of this ignorance and by doing that then we can actually stop the process by not being ignorant we can um, not create these, these uh, worlds in which we suffer <clears throat> now that always applies to the moment it's not, uh, not something that is for the next life it's always in this moment the the word we use for the the way things are the the suchness, datta da in Pali, datta, tatta, datta da. These words in the Pali mean the, the suchness of being. When you're when you no, when you're not creating an illusory world, then things are as they are. And consciousness still arises, and namarupa, salayatana, pasavajana, but no longer is there the dunha, ubadhana power, chati, jaramarana, sokaparita, up, and so forth. The other is just the remaining karma of that, that this being will experience till the death of the body. Now the emptiness, when we talk about the suchness or the emptiness the, the shunyata, anata these words imply that not a permanent soul or being, not a an, an emptiness when the Buddha was asked where he abides, he said in the shunyata vihara in the abiding, In it isn't there like a uh, uh, vihara as we know it, he said it's an abiding in in non-attachment mm. and you can realize that emptiness yourself it's not just a, something the Buddha can do it's something each one of us can do and realize that and when uh, when we're not creating ourselves when we're not arising as a personality and as somebody, then we, we don't suffer because there's nobody to suffer. Things are as they are. This formation here is a sensitive formation, so it's, it feels. It's like this. When we reflect, this is the way it is. This human form is like this, so it's going to feel. You sit here for an hour, you, and whatever you're feeling is just the way it is. You feel cold, or you feel hot, or you feel uh, uh, pain in your legs, or you feel... Uh, wonderful! You feel uh, inspired. You feel happy, or you feel uh, whatever. Whatever feelings is just the way it is because of this 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 uh, birth in this form. Then this is this is the way. This is the way it has to be. Why do we have to have pain? Why do we have to have disease and sickness and get old? Why, and from the personal level, we, we we this is the wine, isn't it? Why me? Why do I have to suffer? Why, why do things bad things have to happen to me? But as Dhamma, then it it is as it is. Sickness, disease, uh, pain, all these things are part of are the result of birth. In a in a form that is vulnerable to those kind of experiences, always has been since the since Adam and Eve up to the present time. Contemplate during the day and night. Just this just, what it, just the, this is the way it is. It's like this. Being feeling is like this, so that you're you're with the the actual body. You're you're really observing just what what it is to have a human body, where maybe you've never observed that you've you've reacted to it, you've identified with it, you might have uh, ignored it, tend to suppress or ignore the body, or or pay a lot of attention to it as a, as if it were uh, really what I am. One can indulge it and. In, and vainly try to, to make it uh, beautiful and attractive, or one can just try not to notice it, suppress it, but to actually just reflect on what it is to have a body like this. It feels like this. What does it feel like? And then you, and then you contemplate it. What does it feel like? Doesn't have to, I'm not asking you to say it feels like anything but to just notice what it is to be in a, in a body that weighs that has weight that's sensitive that ha- that is uh, following the laws of nature and therefore it operates according to these these, uh, these laws it you, you have to feed it, rest it, bathe it, Its function, excretory functions, all this is, are about the body. It's the nature of the body. It's like this. So you're, you're, you're bringing into, into your awareness what it is to, to have been born and what it is to be in a form like this. It's a restriction, isn't it? A restraint being born as a human being. Imagine what it'd be like to have a a more ethereal body, not just one of these clunky old earthbound bodies. I used to like to imagine having a kind of ethereal body where you could kind of, like like, um, the devadas and angels, where you could kind of fly around, not in airplanes, where well, you could fly up to the top of Mount Everest as a, as a kind of ethereal deva and not feel the cold, mm. and not have to wear all that mountain gear and <clears throat> risk your life and then climb the the rocks and the cliffs of, of those high mountain tops, just to be able to float up like a bubble in a beautiful form. Lovely form, a lovely Davidar on top of Mount Everest. But to get this thing up there. Unless you drop me off in a parachute, but still <laughs> but still it's it'd be very cold up there and very unpleasant. Ethereal body even, Imagine, when you look out at the universe at night uh, some of the nights now there's this clear starlit night, mm-hmm. and you feel so kind of limited and restricted as a in a human body, don't you what like a little termite a little bug what can you you know you see the, see a wonderful marvelous universe out there but no, Look where we're stuck. And we can kind of perceive it, we can look at it and wonder about it, but it's, it's um, our ability to, to go to it, go toward it. We have to just, We just have to learn to accept the restriction and restraint of this form. Of being a, a human being, this is what it is to be human to and to surrender, to give up to that restraint, the restriction, the limitation of our physical condition is one of the lessons of life isn't it? not to identify with it, not to think this is what I am, but this is this is the the form and, the, and the, the, the restraint that we have to abide in for a lifetime. And if you don't get enlightened in this one, you probably have to come back again in another one. How many times have we've been doing this? I don't know. I've often felt like one of these old souls. My mother said when I was born, I looked like an old kind of homunculus. She said I was really weasened, kind of old wrinkled thing. Wasn't kind of lovely, shining baby. (laughs) And, uh, And I often felt like that most of my life, in fact. Like some somebody that, that is, even when even uh, when young, felt kind of old. Because this life on Earth as a human being to me doesn't has never been a very attractive proposition. Never has have been uh, something that I found out. Uh, uh, so that I could really enjoy, even though I've had nice moments, pleasant moments. Don't misunderstand me. But something else, something <clears throat> realizes that there has to be more to it than just than just the lollipops and ice cream cones of a human existence. Our society gets very carried away with with trying to make everything right in the society itself. This is a time where, where there's so much concern and to try to get everything right, which is fine. Not complaining about that. But also, we without any kind of spiritual goal in life, if we're just Kind of material, materialistic utopians, uh, we're going to be very disappointed. and that's what we've been trying to do uh, here in the West, haven't we trying to build these societies uh, based on ideals and uh, fairness and justice and all that? And, and as much as we try to arrange it and even at its best, it's never truly satisfying to us not what we really want or where we really belong. Another way of getting in touch, in tune with deathlessness, with ultimate reality, is through the mindfulness, through pure awareness. Now contemplate that, how could it be any other way? How could you ever get in tune or in touch with the immortal through a condition, how could you, any state of mind, any conditioned thing, any thought, any symbol, any, any form of consciousness, how could that possibly ever... Uh, how could you ever really be in tune, in alignment with the ultimate reality? Because conditions are arising and ceasing. They're impermanent, aren't they? Every single one of them. You can create kind of illusory realms, false realms, uh, that you can uh, uh, believe in. So you, people do that. When you, can, you can develop powers of concentration where you can uh, kind of develop uh, a realm of, of great light and beauty but it also is, is uh, something that is conditioned by the mind. Its very existence depends on your on your creating it. Where mindfulness allows us to, to be as, with the as-is of being, in whatever way it happens to be now, healthy, sickly, young or old, good fortune or bad fortune, Praise people loving you and praising people hating you and criticizing you, whatever the the turn of events might be, or your karma, whether you have good fortune or bad fortune. And mindfulness is is always is always what we can abide in, what we can be with, because there's no attachment there. There's no there, you're, you're You're withdrawing your your clutching paws and your claws. And you're you're allowing, you're, 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 you're opening the mind to the totality, the whole, rather than just distracting yourself by grasping this, grasping that. What other possible way is there, just logically speaking, Why did the Buddha, emph- Buddha emphasize this, didn't he? The the way out of suffering is through mindfulness, upamado amata padang. Heedfulness, uppamado is the way to the immortal. Mindfulness is the way to the amata padang. So. It's just in this this practice of mindfulness this this because then then your faculties for contemplation reflection are possible and when you're truly mindful some you experience a, a sense of peace when you're when you're no longer trying to become mindful or trying to get rid of something or trying to become something, you then you'll find true contentment, a sense of well-being and contentment, even with pain or cold or unpleasant physical sensations you might be having. Now, when we're reborn again as somebody, then we're we're going out to this, we're thinking, uh, we're caught up in the habits, the tendencies of our life, our loves and hates and opinions and views and prejudices and biases and fears and doubts and worries, the whole lot take over. when a bitch sankhara that whole thing arises and we go and we can just look for the thing we spend the day to trying to just reach out to the to the to the objects in the world don't we either the sensory objects or thoughts opinions views feelings we grasp ideas a whole day can be spent in just going from this thing to that thing. Things, isn't it? The mind going toward things, getting stuck onto things is what happens. And so there's this, that's consciousness, is where your mind gets stuck onto things. <clears throat> so you, you uh, the aramana, or the objects, that of, of their sense organs they're the things you get stuck on from this a Sankara and you, you can just spend your life just distracting getting stuck on this and then you can't and then you go to the next one you get stuck on the next one and if you don't have anything to stick to you feel very uncomfortable don't you so either you want to fall asleep and crash out and become unconscious or you find something else you always find something to stick to that's the desire isn't it desire to to have something to be become something just to to watch yourself uh, just being restless and looking thumbing through books and and looking for something to eat having a cup of tea looking around for something to do somebody to talk to Uh, something to eat, something to have a cigarette. Kill time, we call it. Putting in time. You're looking for something to stick to, to to become that. Because if there's nothing to stick on to, nothing to become, then what is there? That's frightening, isn't it? There's a doubt. Uncertainty, unsurety. We don't like being unsure, uncertain. We want to know. Tell me. What I should do with my life, Argensmato? <laughs> Be nice, wouldn't it, to have have God come and say, "You should do this, and you should do that." Have some, some some really powerful being, somebody up there that knows all the answers and tell you what to do. Would you like that? Is that what you want here at Amravati? Is that what you're looking for? For God to come and tell you what you should do? Somebody to tell you who you are, where you're going, how you should practice, provide everything all the information because that's one one uh, stage in human development is where we want uh, somebody else to be responsible for us because we don't feel we can be responsible for ourselves And at one age that's true and we're children we can't be responsible for ourselves we have to depend on our parents hopefully that they'll be responsible because we can't be But some people never grow up spiritually, they're still looking for mother and father. Somebody to tell them who they are, what they should do, everything's all right, You're love, we love you dear, and you're all right, and everything's gonna be all right. <laughs> But the, the uh, way of a samana, this, this is the path of a samana. Uh, one who's an anagarika, one who's gone forth. A samana, one who's gone forth from the home to the homeless. You mean you're going out of that, of that kind of a situation where mother and father protect you. And where and and uh, say everything's all right. You're going forth, and it's it's into the unknown, isn't it? The idea of going forth, anagārika, one who's gone forth into the unknown. You don't know where you're going because you're not you're not it's not any place, is it? But you you've left, you've gone forth gone from the home into homelessness so that means you have to look at the unknown you have to look at the black and the dark and the uncertain and the and the the unstable and and you at sometimes you really want to run back home don't you and say mommy daddy tell me everything's all right <laughs> Because that's, uh, that's what we remember, the sense of security, of having a home where we have somebody to tell us, somebody to look after us, somebody to, to love us. Where the samana goes forth to, into the unknown, Now the samana is, is an interesting word. Because it, it means someone who's who's following the way of self-reliance. It's a it's a religious path of self-reliance. Say, in contrast to devotional religion, which is path of grace. And the devotional religion is a path of devotion and depending on the grace of of God. And the uh, samana form of religion is emphasizing the way of self-reliance. So the the grace type of religion is, is very attractive to have feel that there's somebody out there who's going sending me grace because one still is very much bound to a view of being a some a person who needs help from something else from some some external force and that's the that's the view say of a bhakti or uh, Christianity is very much in that, in that mode. But the Samana form of religion is emphasizing, uh, it, it goes to, right to the, to the um, it's a very direct path where you're no longer uh, even cherishing those divisive and separative symbols and formations the Gnostic religion isn't it? Gnostic religion no longer is 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 following that particular pattern because it goes right to the very right to the ultimate the realization of ultimate reality which is something you have to realize for yourself but the self is not the self of, of an ego or an attachment to the five khandas or the, or the personality that we have. It's a, you relinquish all that. You let go of, of the personality, the ego, the, the five khandas. the letting go into the unknown, into the black hole. They are jumping off the bed, the the cliff into the abyss. It's the into. It's a, without without the. Uh, asking for even grace. Nor anything to prop you up, taking that risk. Well, you're not the. You know. Well, I believe that if I jump off this cliff, God will protect me. Even that thought has to is, is relinquished. It leaves leaves you with no thing whatsoever. There's no thing things to get stuck on to. There's no thing to get stuck on to. No rebirth, in other words, in this particular path of a samana. In this path, though, this the way of, uh, of of being content, it's a path of contentment, this, this way of life. This is the way to be truly content. How many of you really feel contentment with your life here? Or really content? Because the only reason why you are is because you're still trying to become something or trying to change something get rid of something because what is life here at Amravati? Alms mendicancy? Just the the, uh, the, the food is, is offered to us every day, isn't it? Food's never been a problem here Place to to live in robes to wear, medicine for illness, uh, good company, uh, pleasant and benevolent society. And so you're, the contentment of, of, of living a moral life, of being able to to encouraged to be a moral being to keep sila to be encouraged to practice the Dhamma all the time to encourage to in every way toward the spiritual realization and yet how many of you really find contentment in this life it's because of desire isn't it you want something else You still, you still create yourself, you still get stuck on the things, and you still want to become something, or want to go somewhere else, or want to do something else. And so the the way of contentment is to let go of that desire. And as we see in this Paticca Samuppada, we begin to see what we're doing, not just We're not being high-minded by saying you shouldn't have any desires here. Not asking you to do something impossible. But through the complete understanding of the nature of desire, then you're not going to grasp it. You're not going to grasp the fire once you know that it burns you. First you have to realize how much it hurts. Is to realize that grasping fire hurts. Grasping desire hurts. Desire is like a wildfire. It's, it's not like like a, a, a pocket warmer. Nicely contained, heat. Desire burns, and yet. You you burn yourself all the time, and you still and you. But you probably blame other people for it, or blame something or other, rather than, than really look at what you're doing. It's interesting too, just to why fire is such a symbol, a religious symbol in all religions, isn't it? is, is uh, the, the burnt sacrifice burnt offerings of primitive religions and yet we know that if we grasp fire with our hands it's going to hurt so we don't grasp fire with our hands do we we know better but we can grasp fire with our minds and get burnt all the time by doing it I maybe mean, depression despair disillusionment sokaparitewa tukatomnasangpayasa is is the is the pain of grasping fire with your mind the result is you end up with with that sokaparitewa tukatomanasa upayasa. That's why life gets so miserable for us, for humanity, because it's always burning us. We're always hurting ourselves in the fire. And we keep trying to find something else to grasp, some other fire to get stuck onto. 'Cause the fire that's burning you hurts. So you look you see another one and you think, Oh, I like that one. And you run over there. Stick onto that one and get burnt. Now if you don't now if you don't touch fire you can you can you can warm yourself with it on a cold day, isn't it? Fire is a very nice thing if it's contained and if you don't grasp it and if, it's, if, it's, uh, if the uh, fire is a, is a lovely, lovely thing we have, we can use it to, to heat water, to make a cup of tea. We can use it to keep warm. We can use fire in so many ways that is skillful and, and beautiful. So the way of the Samana is the way of knowing what the fire is, the way things are, and to no, no longer just be caught in this blind grasping, struggling, resisting, uh, running about out of Avicavajaya Sankara. So in each moment there's a moment of contentment. Here we are. This is the way it is. Roof over our head. Nice warm room. Robes. Nice robes. And uh, very nice food you're providing us with. <laughs> and all the TLC we get from the Anagarikas and Anagarikas and the lay people. All these little trays that go off to the sick bhikkhus, endless supply of little trays and flasks. It's like having a mother. <laughs> and the uh, ability to be, live a moral life and the encouragement and support for us. Mm-hmm. The the way people are willing to support this community to help us, to to allow us to contemplate and practice the Dhamma. So there's a this contentment mm-hmm. of just being at ease without grasping, not having to stick on to things, without having to run about, having to get something or get rid of something. Contemplate that, that, that terrible restlessness and, and compulsiveness of the human mind that comes out of ignorance. All that, all those latent tendencies and always having to, feeling this compulsion to, to do something, to get something, get rid of something. So you can spend an afternoon in this room just feeling very content. This afternoon I sat here for three hours feeling very, very content. It's a lovely way to spend an afternoon, being content, isn't it? At least I think so. Considering how I used to spend afternoons... (laughs) Being content with just being, sitting here with the robes and the way things are. Not feeling necessary to, to try to, to, to make it any other way. Everything was, was, was very, was all right. There was no kind of emergencies, life-threatening situations this afternoon. It was all very calm, very uh, peaceful and perfectly suitable towards being completely content and at ease. So the holy life, if if lived and seen, and, and, and if you stop resisting it and and uh, grasping it, then you'll find true contentment in the holy life. But to be content, you have to let life be what it is, yeah, and understand it, and not, and not uh, like even with with physical pain or uh, ailments or whatever. To one can be content even with with those, because we're not we're not saying I want a life without pain. I want to live in a place where. Nothing will upset me, where nothing will displease me, where everything will be just what I want. I don't we don't ask that. We don't ask that we live in a place that this place here be just what we want for me. That it just fit every every ideal I have of what I think a proper monastery should be. Because if that's the case then I then I end up becoming critical. And one's always critical faculties will start going off by thinking uh, about how it would be better if, and if it would be better if they did that, and if they didn't do this, and if this were different, and that were another way. And there's no contentment in that state of mind, is there? No way you can find any real peace or contentment by endlessly kind of criticizing or wanting things to be something that they are not. So the samanama we, we're not asking for the best, but we, we have a, a roof over the head for one night, a robe to wear, a meal once a day, medicine for illness. the dhamma is being the many is respected so there's 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 no reason to be discontented what is necessary is 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 uh, here so there's no the discontentment then you can see is your attachment your your ignorance the Bajaya Sankara. And then with this reflection on Patichya Samupadri you can actually uh, investigate that. I'm not saying you should be content here. I'm saying there's no reason why you shouldn't be content here. But whether you're content here or not, that's something you have to discover uh, and see what's happening. Uh, if in the for the standard of the samana and the life, the holy life, then there's nothing lacking, nothing missing. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be content here. But I can't say you should be content here. All I can say is that uh, I can kind of give you suggestions and ways of investigating discontentment, suffering, and the, the whole realm of that you create in your mind from the avicah, bhajaya saṅkara, saṅkara bhajaya vinyanang, vinyana bhajaya nama rupang, nama rupa bhajaya salayatanam, salayatana bhajaya paso, pasat bhajaya vedana, vedana bhajaya danha, danha bhajaya upadha nang, ubadhana bhajaya pavo, pava bhajaya jati, jati bhajaya jaramaranang sokapariteva tukatomanasa upaya sampawanti evame (laughs) dasa kevamaleta tukakantasa samutayo hote. that teaching, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Then the way is to 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 let go of that desire. Uh, we say so viraka. Viraka is is um, desirelessness. Viraka. Nirodo. Sankara, Niroda, Sankara, down to the end of that one. So as as we let go of desire, and then th- we see that letting go, we, we actually realize the the letting go. Then it then it then when there's uh, mindfulness is developed further, then there's non-attachment. There's non-attachment to the conscious experiences that we, that we have or to the feelings, the weight of, of, that is the result of birth. There's non-attachment, non-grasping, mm-hmm. non-identification with it. So that whole thing ceases. And what remains is the suchness, the way things are. And our life as a, as a Samana then has been perfected. This is the realization of an Arahant. And this is a, an Arahant is a term used to, to describe what is possible for human perfection. What it means, what that implies. That, and don't, don't. if you think that you're going to become an arahant, you've got it wrong. You don't become an arahant because there's nobody to become anything. You let go of the idea of becoming anyone. Then you're an arahant. But it's not you, is it? It's not a person. It's a realization, it's a freedom, the ultimate freedom. It's true contentment, it's peace, peacefulness, non-delusion. Viraka, non-desire, desirelessness. The cessation, niroda, cessation of delusion. So contemplate this. And uh, this let's uh, keep keep uh, keep examining, investigating things in this, according to this teaching. So you you really know what desire is. You really know what grasping of desire, the result of grasping desire. you know what it is. You're not just repeating, Paticca Samuppada. Like a parrot, you are actually realizing, investigating, insight, having insight into this. So you just don't quote Paticca Samuppada as if it, as, uh, because so you can kind of show off your your uh, your, your knowledge of the suttas but you're actually applying it too, to daily life here at Amravati, the way things are here, the way you happen to be feeling,